everybody, welcome to the 440 Guitar Podcast. My name is Darrell Powell. Thank you so much for tuning up. You can get to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anchor.fm forward slash 440. Uh, you can also follow the podcast on Instagram at the 440 Guitar Podcast to get updates on the episodes coming out. And we do have 440guitarpodcast.com. Uh, it's our website where if you'd like to know more about myself, uh, the podcast, or if you wanted to support the podcast, you can do that. Just go to 440guitarpodcast.com. So feel free to do that if you'd like to do so. Uh, today we have a very special guest here, uh, a, mu- a musical prodigy, if you will. Uh, he's been playing professionally uh, since the age of 14. He's played well over 2,000 shows and has worked with um, some really prominent people within the music industry. Recently released his uh, album, A Young Man's Country, and he's the man behind the Cosmic Country brand. Without further ado, uh, Daniel Donato. Daniel, how are you doing, man? Really fantastic. Being really fantastic. How are you, Drell? Awesome, awesome. I'm doing good, man. It's not too bad. You know, it's it's funny. I've uh, every every guest since March, I've asked about the quarantine to see how it has affected everyone. Hmm. And you know, I've I think I have been and been blessed on my end as far as for how it's affected me. I've been able to still work from home and everything. Spend yeah. more time with my wife than I have in a long time because I'm not, you know, leaving to go to another building. How has uh, quarantine been for you? Quarantine has required us to pivot a lot <clears throat> and be very, um, very conscientious of what, what development means. Mm. Um, and so it's been what it is, truly, mm. right? It's been, it's been, uh, life is both great and both chaotic every yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's just like that turned to 11. Mm. <laughs> during, <laughs> during all this time so that would definitely be my answer it's like life turned up to 11 yeah yeah man um so on the the 440 guitar podcast really big on origin stories finding out how people got to where they are today mm. um so just to jump right into it um yeah. tell me about your earliest memories of music earliest memories mm-hmm well, I wish I, I wish I could go back to a memory I was told of on New Year's <laughs> Eve this year when I was three. Mm. And um, we, my uncle was, my mom used to work two jobs and when I was very young and she would have my uncle watch me. She's the oldest of six. Mm. And he lived on the beach in New Jersey and he would take me on the beach and play Grateful Dead tapes through a boom box. Oh, wow. And I would go and like dance in the water. <laughs> but I don't remember <laughs> I was like two or three, you know, mm. so... I don't remember that, but music's been around me my whole life. I didn't start liking music until I was 12. Really? Yeah. I always liked like three songs before then. I liked Crash Into Me by Dave Matthews, um, <laughs> Why Georgia by John Mayer, and, mm. then, um, and then what was it? Mama Tried by Merle Haggard. Nice. My mom played those songs uh, in Meet Virginia by Train. She, she had like this one CD that she played for years in her car that I, we would, she would drive me to school every morning and we'd play those. But mm. the first song that got me inspired to like play music was the song Paradise City by Guns, Guns N' Roses. Nice, nice. <laughs> As nice. I get older, I realize it's like the ultimate self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> whatever, that, uh, whatever that song is talking about, mm-hmm. in essence that is what I'm trying to kind of manifest in my life. Do you recall when, um, when, like, how did you hear Paradise City? Was it, was it playing in the house or were, was it on the radio? Like, how, how did you hear it for the first time? Great question. So my friends, my friends in middle school all skateboarded hmm. very well, and I tried to skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> so we did this thing where every day after school, nine times out of ten, we would end up in my house because my mom uh, would make us Hot Pockets and then like ham and cheese flavored and then we'd play guitar hero for hours nice nice sounds similar to my it sounds similar to my childhood <laughs> it's not bad it's not very very lucky very lucky to have had that that luxury and um you know we would play i was kind of all right at guitar hero my friends were not as good but they were better at skateboarding i just got, i kind of stopped skateboarding and i started digging through my dad's uh music collection on his hard drive one day mm. and um i saw this album cover that just I loved and had all these skulls and roses on it. 
Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And it was the Appetite for Destruction yeah. album yeah. cover. <laughs> and I just pressed the song that I thought had the coolest title. Oh, nice. And it was that song. And it's kind of their most country sounding song. That's uh, true. Patience. And it just blew me away. I'd never heard that before. And Ooh. it was, um, I can trace other moments back in my life still to this day where I get a, a piece of music kind of puts me into this place where I have a vision of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first time I ever experienced that. Like I saw myself playing that song when I was 12. Wow. Which is so, which is so um, tenacious and stupid for a 12 year old to think. <laughs> they can play what Slash is playing. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting response, you know, because I remember, I remember first listening to that. Uh, I think I was in like history class or social studies, and I was just like, just super like into the song. And then I think watching Can't Hardly Wait, that was one of the first times where I heard that song, and I was like, "This is so amazing!" <laughs> <laughs> and I never heard the song; it was the first time I heard it, you know. So, but it's interesting that you're like, "I could do that." Like that's a that's a very interesting response. <laughs> I've always been that way. I've always been that way, and I've always failed at it until guitar. <laughs> and then something happened with guitar to where I I don't quite fail at it as much. Yeah. Uh, but I work, I, it also, that tenacity is part of why I work hard at it as well. Mm. But wow. yeah, I've always had that stupid thing where I think I can do something. <laughs> uh, even like I was terrible at basketball. I thought I could be in the NBA and it's like, I had no chance at yeah. all. of ever doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, in a sense that is, that is a, it's a very optimistic, you know, approach as far as like, oh yeah, I could do this, and then you try, you're like, oh, not that. Well, let me try something else, or I could do this, you know. So versus just saying like, just not, you know, be, be the opposite, right? As far as like, no, nah, I can't do this, and then you, someone has to push you. You kind of push yourself, you know, into a lot of this, you know. Yeah, I feel like when you start getting older, and and that's when you start saying in your life, well, I don't really have the threshold to be taking on a new opportunity, a new endeavor. But I think when you're young, it's really about just going hard at everything and finding what, where your effort lies. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, so when did the guitar come into play for you? Like when you heard paradise city, did you then say like, let's get some guitar lessons. Let's do this. Or how did that come about? I, my dad had always tried to get me to play guitar. He played guitar, Um, as a hobby. He never never actually once made it on stage. But he had mm. this real love for guitar and um, always tried to get me to play it and I hated it, really despised the instrument. Hated the mm. way it felt, hate, hate the way it felt. I just hated the tactile, um, the tactile uh, place that it was in. It was, yeah. He only had an acoustic guitar and it wasn't fun for me. Mm. Something happened though where he bought me the Squire Strat. And I, I never really played it. I went and picked up the Strat after that day. After mm. hearing that song, I'd had that guitar for about four years. Mm. And um, I picked it up and I asked him, man, can you teach me these chords? And he did. He taught me the chords and he showed me how to play them and he showed me how to practice them. And mm. that was all I needed. And um, I'm on the same domino effect to this day that I started on 13 years ago. Wow. 100%. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. It is that day. I remember <laughs> it very clearly. It's actually around this time of year, too. Um, really? Yeah, it was in July. Um, so this is August pretty wild yeah 13 years <laughs> do you recall the first uh first time you played live yes i do yes i do um it was um <clears throat> it was uh it was may 25th uh 2009 mm. and um we went my dad my dad's a very entrepreneurial person mm. um my dad works in it and he's been doing so for over two decades and he's always had endeavors that he was trying to launch off the ground and get going on his own accord and he's always taught me and always let, let me know that you should always try to be your own boss and always try to figure things out to where it's you controlling the direction of things. Um, just because that's my personality type and uh, not all of our siblings he tells that to. And yeah. uh, he was like, man, you should try making some money with this thing, with this guitar. <laughs> you know, you might as well start trying to take your talent and turn it into opportunity um, because that's the way to success. That's a way. And so he goes, let's go busk on the street. If you don't make any money, that's fine. You're 14 years old. Mm. Um, but I'm going to stand there. and I'm going to make sure nobody steals your money if you make any. And we can mm. go as long as you want. And so we went down to Broadway on that, in Nashville, Tennessee. We were in Spring Hill, Tennessee at the time, about an hour south of town. Mm. And uh, we drove up there. And um, he, we 
bust for eight hours. I was playing a Taylor guitar. Nobody could hear me. It was a 114 CE Taylor because I, I really loved Tommy Manuel all the time mm. and uh, made no money. And so we were walking back. <laughs> we were walking alongside the, the right side of Broadway. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, there's two sides. There were at the time. One side that was smoking, one side that was non-smoking. And uh, now none of the places are smoking. But we were walking past, past a place called Legends Corner. And uh, there, were, there was a band playing. Jason Link was the, the artist who was playing. And he was about to go take uh, a, a, a break past the tip jug, hmm. which is a Nashville stable. Uh, Willie Nelson invented it. And it's just the idea of like once an hour in these four-hour long shifts, you go ahead and you pass a tip jug and the band can um, make some money. Everyone who's there can request a song. They can you know, pay 20 bucks and they hear a Garth Brooks song, a Brooks and Dunn song, a Merle Haggard song, or you know, a rock song. They can hear, or people do like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. Like, oh, wow. Broadway is all kinds of music. And as they were doing that, the bass player, his name's Rockin' Randy Hall, and he's actually in an in intensive care unit as we speak down in Texas. Oh, wow. Uh, prayers with him, but he said, hey kid, you look like you play guitar. And he's saying that on the microphone to just some stranger kid walking on the sidewalk. <laughs> wow. And he goes, you look like you play guitar. And I, I go, again, tenacity. I said, hell yes, I do. <laughs> he goes, Why don't you come up here and play? <laughs> it's like, okay. And he goes, uh, how do you feel about old time rock and roll? And I didn't know what that song was. I didn't know Bob Seger. And I said, oh, yeah, I play that song all the time. <laughs> he goes, why don't you kick it off? <laughs> and I didn't know how to kick it off. And he knew I didn't know how to kick it off. So he went ahead and played it on his Fender jazz bass. Mm. And it was like, okay, that's cool. And it was my first time playing a Telecaster, which is the guitar I still play to this day, mm. ever. Yeah. And it was the first time I had plugged into an amplifier that was loud enough to have been at a, a gig volume. Right. And it was the sensation again. It was the revisiting of that vision where I was uh, the same thing that happened when I heard Paradise City, where it was essentially like, oh, wow. So when I do this, I naturally am seeing myself do it in this very stoic, abstract way. So I must follow that, Mm. right? There's something to be followed here. There's something to be mined for. And uh, it was that day. And uh, the next day, we went back downtown to bust some more. Mm. And then... um, we made, I made like $300 in one day. And then we walked, we were walking past a bar called Robert's Western World. And I somehow got in because the door guy wasn't there. But I got in there at a time after 6 p.m. where they all cross over to 21 and up where I wasn't supposed to be in there. And so we sat in the back of the bar and we watched this band play called the Don Kelly Band. <clears throat> and the Don Kelly Band at the time had J.D. Simo playing in the band. Hmm. And J.D.'s my biggest influence on the guitar. Oh, and wow. I discovered him that day, and he was 25 at the time. I'm 25 now. And uh, they played at that bar four nights a week, four hours a day. And uh, I went and saw them, and that show changed my life. And so we went and saw that band every day, every Saturday for three years. Uh, We only missed five shows in three years every Saturday. And I gave Don, the band leader, my business card every Saturday. Mm. And I told him, hey, I want to play in your band one day. (laughs) And by the time I was 17, I was in his band. Nice. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. I mean, from a lot of different points of view, right? I mean, your dad being an IT, a very, that's a, that's a position that is, it, it definitely makes sense to get into. There's a lot of need for it, you know, and to have a career in it. And then for, for you, you know, him telling you like, Oh, you should, you should do guitar for a living. Like I know for, there's a lot of parents that would, that would not be like a response to their child, <laughs> you know? So, but I think, I wonder if, if, uh, you know, I, I know obviously Nashville is like one of the, one of the, one of the biggest places as far as like, you can make a living doing guitar and just highly, you know, just a, a highly encouraged environment musically and creatively. So that's interesting that you're, you know, that's great that your dad was supportive as far as like, no, you, you should do this. You should do this as like a career career, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, my parents, my parents have always supported where my effort lies, <clears throat> you know, and they've never not, they've never not, they've never mm. not, even, uh, even to this day. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, it's fascinating. Yeah, I learn more and more about how crazy of a decision that is uh, each day mm. uh, to, to try to pursue music and, um, but it's a very abstract, 
it's a very abstract desire that I have innately in me, but the more that I do it and having put out this project, I realize that I think a large part of success in life is following the light that is parallel with your effort in life, not about what you think your job should be. Hmm. Um, this irrational positivity, but it's where do you like working hard? Yeah. Where do you like fulfilling fulfilling the potential that you have in your character and music and guitar have always been the medium in which I can kind of keep my nose to the grindstone and just whittle away, uh, twiddle away at just like defining a better and distilling a new, more refined version of myself each month. Nice. Wow. Wow. Tell me about your experience learning guitar. Cause I mean, you're, you're, you're playing is very, uh, very, I mean, obviously very advanced, but just as far as how you play, you know, it sounds like you've been playing for most of your life. And then what you're playing, you know, as far as hybrid picking, I've, I've, I've leaned in, I've, I've like leaned into that or just like leaned into that type of playing for a while then realizing, wow, a lot of people have been doing this for generations now, but it was that, was it pretty difficult as far as you starting to learn guitar and experience learning guitar? Was it a point where you had to put it down, pick it back up or what was the experience for you in that? Still learning guitar. That's mm. the thing that I need to keep in mind every day. Jeff Bezos talks about how something that they keep in mind so sincerely much in regards to everything Amazon does is that everything is day one. Mm. And <clears throat> I think a big part of that is relative to the fact that you need to keep space between your accomplishments, right, quote unquote, and the student that you are perpetually. Um, so for a second there, once I started getting a following, I was like, subconsciously thought I just because you gain a following you're done learning mm. and it's like that is so not the case like the fact yeah. that you have people subscribing <laughs> to what you do means you need to learn even more <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you can keep it fresh and bring value to them and uh so I'm still learning uh I do notice as I get older being 25 now it's harder it's fat it's the speed in which I learn is more latent as mm. opposed to when I was 14 and I was able to kind of practice something for eight, 12 hours a day hmm. very intensely and just get it down in two weeks. Wow. You know, uh, so hybrid picking for me in specific, I love talking about that subject. So how have you been able to, how have you been trying to practice that technique? Oh, for me, I, for, for me, honestly, I haven't, I've, I've, I've leaned more into alternate picking, but as far as hybrid picking, it's something where I'm like, if I did this, it would probably expand my vocabulary a lot, but I just, I haven't. I haven't practiced as intensely as I should have with, with hybrid picking. <laughs> hybrid picking to me is really cool because it allows you to get, an, <clears throat> it all comes down to the dynamic. And I learned it this year, actually, why hybrid picking is so cool because I started programming drums for Cosmic Country demos because we can't really write with a drummer. It, um, you know, so you realize that there's a, there's, a, there's a thing called humanizing where you take, let's like, say you have a one, two, three, four, a hi-hat pattern. Yeah. And they were all to be the same intensity level. Right, so they were all to be say a hundred percent. One, two, three, four. Right. Well, well what if I go a hundred sixty-six percent, and then I instead so I go a hundred, then I go sixty-six, and I go seventy-seven, then I go forty-four. Yeah. So all four strokes now are going to have a different dynamic to them. Right. Now it's going to be like one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Right. So there's a different cadence there, right? Yeah. The thing about hybrid picking is that that allows you to take that concept and apply it to the instrument of the guitar. Now that is insane because it's easier to have different dynamics. When I, when I hybrid pick, I use my, for everyone who's watching the video, this is a Cosmic Country uh, gravity pick uh, that, that's available on my site. They're actually really just insanely cool. They're made of acrylic, so mm. they actually start to sound better and smoother over time. Uh, so it's an appreciating tool. Most of the things we buy on the guitar get worse over time. Uh, <laughs> so it actually gets better the more you use it, which is, mm. which is what like Elon Musk's whole uh, concept behind Tesla is, is that everything that they produce should get better over time. But again, so I use the, the, the pick, I use the middle finger and then I use the ring finger. So I have access to three different anchors of dynamic because hmm. the angle in which the middle finger hits is hardest out of all the three. Yeah. And then the ring finger hits at like a very light dynamic always. And then the pick I have the most control, I have the most variation in. So I have kind of these two polar opposites with the middle and the ring. And then the pick, I'm able to go from like 25% intensity to 100. Right. And the middle finger just takes it over the top and it has its own sound to it. And if anyone wants to hear like a middle finger sound, <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely Brad Paisley, uh, his album Play. Hmm. Um, 
there's a song called Come On In with Buck Owens, which is a remake. It's kind of his playoff on the song called Hello Trouble by Buck Owens, which is mm. such a fantastic country song. Yeah. And Brad's solo on it is so insane. So insane to the point that I wrote him a letter to his agency, which is oh, now wow. the agency I'm on now, years ago. It's like, hey, hey, Brad, how do you get this sound? he never got back to me but i figured it out i think and it's that hybrid hybrid picking thing so wow it's that sound of being able to kind of humanize the guitar Hmm. um yeah it's really beautiful that's great that's great it was funny when when um when i was listening to you um have you heard of uh johnny highland i took lessons from johnny you did holy cow check this out so Again, life is very cosmic in that way. Um, Johnny played in the Don Kelly band for years. That was his first gig when he moved to town. And um, through going and seeing Don every week and all that, Johnny heard about me because I was always playing, sitting in with other bands. Johnny ended up getting hired to play in the band that I told you about that was playing at Legends, the first band I ever played with, Mm -hmm. Jason Link. Jason ended up hiring Johnny to be his guitar player. So now this band that I've been going to to sit in with them every Saturday, the first band that ever let me play music with them, now all of a sudden, one of my heroes I've discovered on YouTube is now playing in that band. Wow. So I ended up taking lessons from Johnny and going and sitting in his living room on Nolansville Pike in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, And it was like so funny. He would just like chain smoke cigarettes on his porch and we would talk about country music and beef jerky. And then we would go (laughs) and play guitar for an hour. (laughs) <laughs> and my dad would pay him a hundred bucks and then we'd go home. Wow. <laughs> That's how, we would do that about once every two weeks. Mm. And I'm, I'm not kidding you about after two months, I learned everything that I wow. could. I was just a sponge. My friend, uh, Johnny taught me so much. Wow. Yeah. yeah he's phenomenal. I remember Kim <laughs> coming across his, um, him on YouTube as well. I was like, God dang. He's amazing, you know, yeah. so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's really intensely, he's intensely individual. Hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? So not a lot of players in Nashville strive for that. The, the whole consensus of Nashville a lot of the time is, is, to, uh, is to kind of um, mold yourself to a, to a, a common sound so you, so you can be hired by a producer to play on artist records on a major label. And you get double, double scale, double scale master rates um, when you're playing a session, and you can make a, a great living in doing that. And things that players about Johnny is that Johnny would never get hired to play on anybody's record because he sounds too much like Johnny. Hmm. Uh, but I've always loved that character in players. That's why people like Johnny and, and uh, Jerry Garcia, Jerry Reed, uh, those players are someone just they sound so much like them that they can't help but just be them. And I think that's so cool. Wow, that's a good point. It's a very good point. Wow. Um, tell me about uh, before I, I before I dive into your your album. Um, yeah, please. Uh, tell me a little bit as far as like uh, I know you're a telly guy, and I'm a telly guy too. Are you really? Um, I am. Yeah, yeah, I am. Tellys are my favorite. They're, I would say that besides the Fender Music Master, the Telecaster is my favorite guitar. Can I, I ask why? <laughs> Uh, oh, for the for the Telecaster, um, right. you know, there's a sense, there's a really strange sense of um, comfort with the, with the Telecaster. And then I've always been, hmm. it's funny, I've always been, I'm one of those Telecaster players where I prefer the neck pickup versus the versus the lead pickup, which is obviously like the complete opposite with a lot of music. But um, but as far as just having that space between the neck and the the lead pickup, mm-hmm. like it's just that particular space and how it's shaped. There's just there's just so much more comfort. I feel like more than a Stratocaster, it's not heavy like most Les Paul guitars. It's not too big. Like it's just there's a really strange comfort with the guitar. Um, yeah, what, I what, agree. Yeah, what what is your um what's your what's your take on the on why you chose the the Telecaster? Telecaster chose me. Hmm. Uh, Telecaster chose me and hundred percent did. It is uh I have over ten now that I love. Wow. And, um I don't know exactly why. I keep learning. I keep being reminded that it seems like the more simple of a palette that you're challenged to create on, and the more you can get off of the results that, that come off a simple palette, hmm. the more truthful they are. 
And so like, I love what I call efficient instruments. A Telecaster really is not an efficient instrument. Like a three saddle Telecaster from the start is never going to be very well intonated. Hmm. Never. You know, you, so you're, you're just True. instantly taking yourself away from being very competitive sounding, i.e. Yeah. a PRS, a music man guitar. Um, those things are always going to be perfectly well phased in regards to the pickups. Yeah. Uh, the intonation is always going to be on the money. There's not going to be any volume loss between the neck and the bridge, right? Yeah. And, uh, but the Tele is the most American sounding guitar because it was created out of necessity. Um, it's extremely um, durable. Yeah. And it sounds like a telly. It sounds like it sounds restrained. It sounds handicapped mm-hmm. um, in the sense of it has its own tonality. It sounds there's, like there's limits to it. And I like those limits. Um, mm. You know, can you imagine Bob Ross trying to paint on a giant LED screen? It'd be like, <laughs> it'd probably be insane. But there's yeah. something that's really beautiful about the fact that Bob Ross was able to construct such beauty on such simple tools that had so many constraints to them using one yeah. usually hmm. um so it's like i just love that idea of being forced to create something truthful with something that's so restrained and so the telly is is that nice very cool very cool awesome awesome um before we talk about uh, a young man's country i wanted you just to talk to me a little bit about the cosmic country brand how did that how did that concept kind of come into fruition for you as far as for the term cosmic country and what it means to you? I've always loved alliteration and I've always had an eye for marketing. Um, my grandfather used to do, um, he's an, he's an entrepreneur as well. He used to do uh, in Atlantic city, he used to do uh, graphic design for businesses and he's worked for a lot of casinos, uh, in the Atlantic city area and a lot of businesses around there. And so I've always had an eye for what, what makes something an idea and what makes something a brand hmm. and um, something about, I don't remember exactly what it was when cosmic country, when I started saying it, when I started trying to figure out what it was, but again, I feel like it shows me like I'm still learning more and more each day what cosmic country is. But hmm. to me, it's my way of communicating to the world that this is my style and yeah. this is what I am. Most people are in a band I want to be in a sound, hmm. something that's bigger than a band. I want to be something that's a, that's a sound. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you could produce a Cosmic Country record that's not Daniel Tonato eventually in the future. You could have a Cosmic Country festival. You could have, we have a Cosmic Country clothing line. Um, we have Cosmic Country podcast because right. what Cosmic Country is, is more than just a band. So um, I'm still figuring out what it is. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. It definitely is catchy and I feel like, from a musical standpoint, um, you know, when it comes to a sound that sounds like Daniel Donato, I feel like you've achieved that. Um, and it sounds, it almost sounds like a reinventing of, of a a type of, of country music, but just really, really, really unique, really unique approach, you know? Thank you. Yeah. I'm definitely trying to re I'm trying to not stray too far from who my heroes are. Um, I feel like a lot of younger people who are trying to create music, like not everyone's John Mayer. <laughs> like not everyone can just write. Like, yeah, not everyone can make continuum, right? <laughs> you know what I mean. And yeah. so, um, I when I again, the less uh, I'm just literally trying to just take like step off from where my heroes are stepping off. Hmm. I'm not trying to just like be like, boom, here's continuum. Right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, so I. I'm not even trying that at all. I, I very mm. much recognize my limitations and um, I'm not accepting them, but I recognize where they stand presently. And so mm. it's like, um, yeah, I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to deviate like 3%. Are you familiar with Virgil Abloh? Sounds familiar. I feel, We're, I feel like I should, I should know who he is. <laughs> there's a lot to know in this life. <laughs> um, Virgil Abloh is really a fantastic cultural figure and he talks about, he's a designer. And he talks about in his designs in regards to the Instagram generation of people who consume fashion and design, architecture, et cetera. Um, they know Virgil Abloh predominantly from the fact that he collaborated with Nike on a thing called the 10, hmm. on a line called the 10. He modified these shoes that Nike put out, very famous models. And he talks about how he does, and it was mind blowing, mind boggling, changed the culture. Some of these shoes go for $50,000 a pair. Wow. Geez. He talks about how 
really what an artist should do is they should take an influence of theirs and create something that is 3% different. Hmm. And then create something from that creation that's 3% different. So if you're 3%, that's insanely small and it's hard to do. Hmm. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take Waylon Jennings. I'm trying to take Willie Nelson. I'm trying to take The Grateful Dead, Sergio Simpson, Billy Strings, Marcus King, jam band music, country music. Yeah. Just add into it. 3% Daniel Donato. <laughs> <laughs> and that is cosmic country. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, even with your usage of, uh, I want to say it's like a flanger, flanger, or type. Phaser. Oh, using the phaser. Okay. I was, I was leaning between flanger, phaser, but just like uh, with, you know, with a lot of the types of riffs and things are using, you know, the, those type of effects. I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is, there's, there's some uniqueness to this, you know, at least the, in my, you know, in my world, definitely. But um, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so a young man's country. First, tell me about just kind of uh an overall sense as far as the process of making it. Cause I, cause I know this is, is this the first full album you've released? Cause I know if you released EPs and stuff and singles. This is the first one, wow. <clears throat> which, which feels a little late at 25. feels a little late to be putting out music uh, full length, but uh, whatever life goes on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like for me, I feel like and this, to me, this is almost a whole nother conversation on a different episode, but I feel like the album is, kind of taking a step back than when it used to be, you know, I feel like a lot of people now they, they put, you know, they, they focus on performing, releasing singles, releasing EPs. And I feel like albums are harder to, to grasp from the, the natural audience, you know? So for an album to release later, I feel like it's normal for, for today's standards. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I love that. Yeah. I think it's coming from the fact of me figuring out who my fan base is on a level that is very data driven. Um, so again, my dad being in, in integrations technology, um, I've always kept a strong foot on the quantitative side of goals and um, trying to keep ego out of it. Again, not everybody's John Mayer. Not everybody can write songs that just beautiful women and, and everyone's mother and everyone's friend loves, right? So it's like, um, and I'm not saying I can't do that. I'm just saying I haven't done that. And so I'm looking at it as like, what are my current skill sets? What are my current strengths? And I can play a live show that people will still be talking about for years to come. And I'm not saying that out of a place of ego. I'm saying that because people message me every day saying they've seen me seven years ago. And then, then they saw me the next year and they saw me the next year and they saw me the next year. So people, awesome. something happens when I play a show where people like that, that live thing. So it's not my choice. It's the people's choice. Hmm. So the people love when I play live. So why not give them that? Right. <laughs> the right. And we played over a hundred shows last year. So we wow. Worked, we worked very hard and we worked very diligently and we kept stock out of what our strengths were and what our weaknesses were and what the crowd loved. And we modified the songs and the jams to go with what the crowd loved. Hmm. And so we did that over a hundred times. <laughs> and so then we recorded it. Check it out. And then Robin Ford produced it. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> and so it was just, again, wow. it's very cosmic in that way to where things play out in ways. It's more than just you sitting down to put this thousand piece puzzle together mm -hmm. in life. And there's other people sitting at the table that you might not see. And there's other people coming at the table who are, are not there yet that are putting these pieces together for you. Mm -hmm. And, if you would have told me years ago when I went to go see Robin Ford play in Nashville on a Wednesday night um, in, the, in the pouring rain when I was 16, I just started driving and I was just blown away by the way that a dumble sounded in a live setting and, and, and just to see a guitar player have that much touch and finesse. Um, if you were going to tell me that that guy is going to produce your first record, I, you know, that would have been just insane to me. And it's yeah, just, yeah, it's like, cool story, bro, but not real. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I think you have to allow you have to allow life to happen and hmm. so when something good happens there's this imposter syndrome thing that could happen where you're like oh, I'm not ready for this it's like no stop saying you don't even know why this is happening so why are you to say why are you to determine that you're ready or not you just gotta yeah. let things happen and go with it so my first album was recorded live in two days at Sound Emporium one of the most famous studios um, in Nashville um, the day I was born 
Waylon Jennings was in there cutting a song that we actually ended up covering on the record. Really? I was born April 6, 1995. Yeah. And then wow. that day, that day I was born, Waylon Jennings was in the studio cutting a song. That's one of my favorite songs. Um, and that song's on the record. It's the last song on the record. Song called mm. It's Been Long Like This. Um, so again, it's very, very cool. But we ended up using Robin's Dumble on a lot of the songs, uh, which is very infamous amp. He's had it for over 30 years. It's worth, you know, this crazy six-figure amount. And um, we used the Cosmic Country Band on it, uh, which a lot of artists in Nashville, they don't use their own band on their own records. But artists like Zach Brown do. And I kind of mm. love how Zach Brown is just kind of his own thing. And yeah. so that, that, and Dave Matthews, you know, Dave Matthews is never going to use session guys. He uses Carter Beaufort on the drums because that's part of the Dave Matthews sound. Yeah. Um, so Nicholas Fry, Jake Bostick, Will Johnston, and Daniel Pingray, um, all part of the Cosmic Country sound and, and still helping me twiddle away and figure out what that is. Um, so, but they're all on the record. And um, again, it's what the fans love. And um, very much like Zach Brown and Dave Matthews, those people do covers and the Grateful Dead do in, incessant out of covers. So we had to put covers on the record. Nice. Um, yeah. So, and there's a lot more to the uh, process of the creation of the record too, that we can talk about as well, if you'd like. Absolutely. Um, I did want to ask you about one song that I, I personally really enjoyed. Um, yeah, always, is- always been a lover. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I really like that song. That's a really great song. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the process of working on that one? Yeah, yeah, great. So I, I started working on that song, I think, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was right when I got like my first like MPC pad and I started experimenting with production at the house mm-hmm. by myself. And um, I love fun sounding songs. Like if you listen to two songs in particular, um, Me and Julio Down by the Schoolyard, Paul Simon, Sugar Magnolia by the Grateful Dead. Before the words even start, you like the song because mm. it's happy and it's fun sounding. And that is kind of what I was trying to achieve with Always Been a Lover. Now, I've released three versions of that song mm. um, in a one-year span. <laughs> I released <laughs> an initial interpretation, an acoustic interpretation, and then having played it 100 times plus live interpretation. Right. <laughs> which just came out yesterday, uh, August 7, <laughs> 2020. That version is the best and final version I'll release in terms of an official release because that song, it took 150, 200 times, whatever, rehearsing included, mm-hmm. for it to actually become what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes wow. nine months for a child to just come out into the world and just be an amorphous blob of, of humanity. Right. Think about how long it takes for a child to actually start developing its own ideas and start communicating to the world. It takes years. Yeah. So I think songs are the kind of that way. I think songs have a lifespan that they have to go and, and be present through before they actually reach a place to where they're that song. Hmm. And so it took always been a lover three releases and X amount of times playing live for it to actually become always been a lover. And so the version that came out yesterday, I'm wildly proud of. Wow. Yeah. So that means the world that you love it. So thank you so much. Oh yeah, of course. My pleasure. Yeah. It's a great song. Your guitar work is stellar. Uh, it's one of my favorite solos in the album, to be honest with you. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what this whole record to be. I want this whole record to be whoa. Because I feel like uh, in Nashville, they're always about like, everyone's like always about doing less is more. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't really, like how long are you going to be 25? You're going to be 25 for not long. Yeah. So, and that's the time for whoa. Right. That's the time for a really crazy album that has two horses on it. And <laughs> it is taking, and it literally has like this like crazy, like post-apocalyptic cosmic country vibe with mushrooms <laughs> running out of the ground. And a pentatonic scale is played at two over, over 200 beats per minute, you know, perfectly well. Um, it's like, it's, it's like a concentrated version of, of, of a part of myself. Just like that, that whole record is the love letter to the kid who heard the Paradise City solo and said, man, if I could do that one day, I'll be the happiest person ever. Mm. And so that's me speaking to that 12-year-old kid 13 years later saying, hey, man, 
you just did 2000 shows. You dedicated every day of your life for the past 13 years to this craft. And now here's a record to where you can deviate from that concept about 3%. And mm. here's where you lie in that dream. Um, That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. So, man, wow. thank you so much for saying you dig that song. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about some other uh, songs that just stick out to you as far as, you know, you enjoying the process of creating them or just some of your favorites in general. Um, yeah, I mean, so each one is different. So mm-hmm. I particularly love how the people are responding to the covers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think covers have a, a connotation that a lot of people are pretty uh, one-sided on. Either they love doing them or they hate doing them. Mm-hmm. I love doing them because they're so fun. <laughs> 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 and it's your, way, it's your way to actually prove your artistry because mm-hmm. you can take a cover and make it sound like you 3% different then that's really cool because mm. you're, you're proving the fact that a song doesn't need to be cut by one person to sound like that one person. Mm. Although I don't know if anybody could ever like cover gravity or anybody could cover pride <laughs> and joy, Texas flood and it come off the same, you know, mm. so that's a different thing. But I particularly loved putting out the grateful dead cover, uh, fire on the mountain. And I also love putting out the John prime cover angel from Montgomery. Cause he just passed away back in April. Oh, wow. um, John prime was a huge influence on my song. And still it is. Um, and here in the community in Nashville and in the country music community and the Americana community, everyone loves John Prine. So yeah. um, it was it was a privilege to be able to put my own Cosmic Country stamp on a version of, of one of his famous songs. Make me an angel that flies from Montgomery. Make me a poster of an old rodeo. Just give me one thing. That I can't hold on to To believe in this living Is just a hard way to go Yeah, wow, wow In Justice, I feel like the song Justice Which Rolling Stone had a We fortunately had a a music video premiere with them Um, That was really insane Because that's the version of what I think cosmic country is uh in, in in like that if i if somebody were to ask me like what is what is cosmic country i would say it's probably that song um mm. presently and then where we go tomorrow in the next year i'll have a different answer for you that's those songs haven't happened yet but justice is presently like the most recent ios of of what cosmic country is It's a song that you can sing and dig, and then it takes you to a place that only an instrument can go, not lyrics. So you're telling a story with words, and then you're telling a story with your guitar. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow, you make some really good points. I like what you said about the about about the as far as working on covers as well, because I, I would... I would have to agree with you because um, originally, originally I, I kind of had like the Tom Morello approach as far as like, I don't want to learn covers. I just want to play guitar. And then once I learn technique, I'll learn the covers afterwards. But as far as like playing covers and playing them for people, even when you, you know, eventually you want to play your own stuff, but having playing a cover proves so much to, to, to you as an artist, as far as you being able to replicate something that people notice and they recognize and they respect and then seeing what your own, you know, uniqueness you can apply to it. So I think you make, I think that makes a lot of sense what you said. Oh, that's really kind. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Were there any songs that were really challenging to work on for your album or just took the longest? (laughs) Every song. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. The whole album was hard. The whole Mm. album was very hard for me to make. Because um, I'm never satisfied with how I sound, and uh, which sounds cliche, but I think it's coming out of a place of truth. Um, so if it's coming from a place of truth, then I'll just let it be. And if it's a cliche, that's fine. I won't worry about it, but whatever. <clears throat> the whole album was really hard for me to make, man. It was really hard. But the fact that Robin 
um, was so supportive uh, was it's just weird. It's just mm. like uh, as I keep working harder and as I keep trying to distill a vision out of what I want to do today and what that means for me tomorrow, there's these moments that happen where I'm like, okay, stop. This feels like it shouldn't be happening to you, but you need to just pretend that it's normal so you can keep fulfilling your potential persistently and consistently each day. Yeah. And so when Robin t- took me aside uh, out of our – we tracked the album t- – t- we had a 12-song set. We did it two times a day for two days in a row, so four times total. Wow. Um, traditionally cut, so the sense of we cut it to tape. The whole band was playing live. I was singing in the room with everybody, which is how like Sturgill Simpson and Chris Stapleton cut their records. So hmm. there's a lot of bleed into the SM7 that I was singing into. And um, Robin took me aside that next day. He's like, you are doing everything right. And you are, you just sound phenomenal and all these kind things and really like a really, and he came up with the album name as well. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Which Mm. is so beautiful. And Mm. um, he just took me aside and he was very sincere and he told me that, uh, you know, whatever you're following, keep following it. And so when he Mm. told me that, I realized that if something feels like it's hard to, to make, but you're coming at it for the right reason, just keep working hard and keep doing it. Uh, so the whole album was really challenging to make, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Down to every step. Wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty fantastic achievement. You know, Thanks. definitely. Yeah, Thanks. absolutely, absolutely. And I'm really happy we were able to put it out on the Cosmic Country Music label. Uh, we started our own record label, and we started our own publishing all during quarantine. All wow. So from the business end of all this as well. Um, that was a hard process. And then Isabel Beatrix, or Beatrix down in Australia, who does all the Cosmic Country art, being able to conceptualize a story to tell on the album art. Because again, people were talking about how people don't really consume albums anymore. But we just did a 500 unit pre-sale campaign that people fulfilled. We hit 500 units wow. of, of vinyl. Oh, awesome. Congrats. That's great. So it's really cool to see fans. My fans are analog people. My fans are people who like an album. My fans are people who like a live experience. And so creating this album for the artist that I am required me to be a part of every step. Nobody mm. was just like, hey, Daniel, here's three options for the, thump, for the album art. Like, oh, yeah, I like B. I like option B. No, it was like none of that. Like, we designed everything down to the vinyl labels, down to the front cover, back cover, CD cover, the merch bundles, the website, everything. Mm. I was involved in every step of it. Um, so, again, it, it was like creating a child. Yeah. Except I'm really bad at keeping things alive. Like, my plants all die all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> Some things are more important than others. <laughs> I like cacti because you don't really have to water cactus. <laughs> mm, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, how do you feel? Just a couple more questions for you. How do you feel you think you've evolved, evolved as an artist? Oh, but still I am evolving every day. Um, man, I don't know how to answer that. I have to think. Somebody asked me this question last night. I was like, how did you? They asked, there was a lot of hows. Yeah. I was driving home literally last night thinking, I want to change the hows to why. Hmm. So why did I evolve as an artist? I think answer is how. So why did I evolve as an artist? I think is the same reason as to why I picked up guitar because I have a vision for myself. Yeah. Um, and so it's me just like writing songs and chasing that thing that if I can sell myself on something, if I can press play and I say, I believe that, thumbs up. Yeah. And that applies to Instagram, that applies to a t-shirt design, that applies to take two on day one of, of why always, that version of Always Been a Lover was the one we chose, not out of the other four takes. Um, it's that thing inside that your internal audience goes ahead and says, yep, presses the stamp, you can go, you're good, next in line, right? And it's just like, uh, if anyone's ever gotten like their passport checked, you know, it's like they ask you like, are you here you know, for, for business or, or leisure? They just give you a bold, straight look, and then they go ahead and stamp your passport and <laughs> wave you on. I kind of have that internally. Um, so I don't know how I've involved as an artist, but it's, it's why. And I'm just chasing that feeling yeah. every day. Like it's my life depends on it because that's my job. Nice. 
Nice. Well, you're you're a hell of a worker, man. I mean, it bleeds through, you know, musically and just, you know, your 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 uh, impact online and everything regarding Cosmic Country. I mean, it your worth ethic definitely shows, you know, as far as you continuing to evolve and wanting to evolve. So it's very exciting to, to see. Thank so likewise with your podcast, man. I think it's you know, us guitar players, we have such a fantastic attention span, um, which wouldn't fall into the cliche of the stereotype. Yeah. Right? We think guitar players are just, you know, muscle head dudes that want to shred. And it's like, no, <laughs> guitar players a lot of the time are very deep philosophical thinkers that mm -hmm. find a connection with this very odd instrument that is so human like in its quality. The fact that you're bending you're bending strings and mm -hmm. it's very human like. And so Yeah. The fact that we can have a podcast discuss the concepts here and setting you setting up that opportunity for players like me and, and you giving your platform, man. So thank you for that. I think that that's a valiant effort. Oh, of course, of course, uh, my pleasure. Well, before we before we end, of course, I wanted to give you the opportunity to plug all things cosmic. <laughs> As far as this, you know, if they wanted to hear your podcast or if they wanted to, you know, check out your music or all that stuff, where would they go? Yeah, so um, go to Instagram, Daniel Donato, um, Facebook, Daniel Donato, Twitter, Daniel Donato. My website is Daniel Donato. Um, the podcast is The Lost Highway Podcast. Um, also type in Daniel Donato Podcast. You'll find that everywhere. I'm on TikTok as well, as long as it doesn't get banned. <laughs> um, and then and then i'm also on twitter i'm, I'm literally everywhere on reddit um the whole deal um but the new album a young man's country um out on cosmic country music came out on august 7 2020 that's available on spotify apple music amazon music and all the platforms we just had a great great music video that i'm really proud of it's an animated music video nice um it's insane and uh the clothing that's worn by the animated version of me in the video people can buy Oh, um, nice. So that's on YouTube. I would love if people go check me out on YouTube and check out that video. Wow. Wow. Very cool. Awesome. Well, uh, Daniel Donato, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's been really fun speaking with you. Likewise, Jarrell. Thank you so much, my friend. Of course. Of course. Well, there you have it, folks. This is Jarrell Powell from the 440 Guitar Podcast. We'll jam again soon and have a good day. up as as I could think well in my mind this load I'm bearing's been tearing me apart never through the heart I can't seem to leave it behind if I must confess I've been running on